This is Vermont Credit Unions on Air, a service of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. I'm Joe Bergeron, president of the association. This is a special edition focused on current trends in the automobile industry as it pertains to credit unions. Association Vice President Brian Kent spent time in conversation with Carol Miller and Chris Bacho, both with Association Business Partner CU Direct. Carol is Vice President of Sales in Region 1, the Northeastern United States, and Chris is New England Regional Director. And now, here's Brian, Carol, and Chris. Well, in our office today, we have two of our uh, business partner representatives. We have Carol Miller, who's the Vice President of CU Direct, and Chris Bacho, who's a regional director of CU Direct in our region. And we're taking advantage of the fact that they're in our uh, area today to talk about some of the things that are going on in the vehicle industry. And Carol, I'll probably start with you in general. Um, just a couple days ago, General Motors made a big announcement. They're going to lay off about 14,500 employees, close several of their plants, that's the intent as of right now, as well as discontinue models. So. As a person who works in the industry, what were your impressions that you had when you heard that news? Do you think they're on the right track? And if so, what type of changes do you think we're going to see in the industry, not only from GM, but possibly from other manufacturers that may or may not follow their lead? Well, it was very interesting news the other day, and um, I think it's a decision, uh, the right decision, based on the uh, buying habits that we're seeing uh, our consumers move towards. Uh, with um, you know SUVs and moving away from some of those smaller model vehicles so um, I think it's possible that some of the other manufacturers may follow suit right and Chris I know you and I have known each other and worked with each other for many years you used to work for Ford for a number of years as well and and what was your take in regard to the, the same news or, or some of Carol's comments and some ideas of what we're looking at in the future um, I think that Ford announced that much earlier in the year that they were going to discontinue several smaller vehicles and when you do something like that um, it doesn't affect just the showroom traffic but it, it affects uh, the manufacturing of the vehicles and so I think that when GM announced that um, I think Toyota maybe has announced that I think it's maybe a, a sign of the times and and what and what the um, auto manufacturers are looking at I also think that um, they're looking at their margins and they either lose money or make very little a margin when they sell the smaller vehicle and that is one of the big drivers as well as the convenience uh, that we all see in uh, the SUV type, CUV type vehicle that, that well, we all have uh, maybe one of those types of vehicles in our driveway today. Other things, you, know, you were in our state yesterday meeting with several of our credit unions and kind of giving the projection of the market. And Chris, I'll start with you on this one. We're seeing probably shifts in what people are used to. You've made the comments about people moving away from sedans, getting into more of the SUVs or the truck type vehicles, uh, because that's where the demand seems to be. And that's probably where the revenue is for the manufacturers. But there's an interesting forecast of we're probably going to see a lot more electronic vehicles and potentially autonomous vehicles and I think as credit union lenders or representatives that may mean we'll have to go back to the drawing board and think outside of the box of how we're going to do our portfolio type lending and how these are going to work. Thoughts or suggestions that kind of come up in terms of what the future looks like in terms of type of vehicles being manufactured and what people are going to be looking for as buyers and how we meet that demand. I think the whole retail process is maybe going to change by virtue of what's offered um, 
we talked a little bit about the subscription plan. Um, up until now, all the lenders kind of do the same thing, and they've done it, and it's it's all that the lenders have known. Um, but the buying habits and what's offered by um, uh, different retailers may force the lenders to change um, what they do and some of those opportunities to grow your loan portfolio a certain way or to do a, a standard indirect auto loan, some of those may change. So I think what's important is that maybe not today, but that, that the boards and the uh, credit policy folks at the credit unions need to have that on their radar um, so that it's not a surprise when uh, a couple of their big uh, retail partners, the dealers, um, have a different have a different um, uh, policy or, or a different uh, loan type of process and that the credit unions have already maybe thought about it. Maybe they don't have one to put into place, but, but they've, they've thought about that and, and they need to have some sort of alternative. Yeah. And what I might do before I go to Carol is um, some of our listeners may not be that familiar with a subscription type plan. Can you expand on that a little bit more in terms of uh, how that works and maybe how it is seen in the marketplace right now? I'm not an authority and frankly I was looking for more information myself but what I will say is um, I, I have heard of some dealers and these are typically um, the um, the big dealer group type dealers um, that maybe I'll use Cadillac as an example where they'll they'll sell the ability for that person that that buys the Cadillac to drive many different models uh, based upon what they want to do so they can they can trade in um, a sedan for an SUV, SUV type of Cadillac and I think that that's um, my impression of, of, of how that program works and I think that that's very challenging. Um, uh, I'm not sure how you would structure that loan or, or if that would even be a problem but but it is something to think about. No, it sounds interesting. Potentially, like you said, you might have a family that would do a, a family trip for a period of time and have a minivan and then maybe if it's a you know, mom and dad have a separate trip. Maybe they're doing the, the two-door sports car or something like that if you have some type of subscription plan. Or, so. or or maybe they um, uh, maybe they have a project and they need a, a, a pickup truck to um, haul around Great some, comments, some so, yeah. things in the back. Yeah. And it's a neat idea, and I'm not sure if uh, it can work, but definitely I think if you think outside the box of what would be appealing to your membership base, if they're paying a monthly subscription fee and there's the ability to switch cars or vehicles out depending upon their needs at the time, Certainly, I think that would be appealing uh, if there's a way to go through. And Carol, I know you talked a little bit yesterday and, and showed some rough stats of, you know, what we're probably looking at uh, between now and the next couple of decades mm -hmm. in terms of uh, electronic vehicles or, or other ones. Anything you want to expand on that for our listeners? I think it's a slow grow. I believe the stats that we sh we showed yesterday uh, showed a very small percentage of electronic and autonomous vehicles right now. And projecting out to 2030, I believe it went up to about 50% or a little bit more uh, uh, penetration on those types of vehicles. So that's why I say it's going to be a very slow growth. No, and that'll be interesting to see. Mm -hmm. I'll start back with Carol again. Um, everybody's probably working on their final budgets, and none of us have a crystal ball mm -hmm. to know exactly what the auto loan industry is going to look at. Here in Vermont, we've had some very successful years, much thanks into our partnership that we've had with CU Direct, uh, but also due to the fact that a lot more people have been buying vehicles. 
What are we probably looking at, uh, particularly in 2019? Should we expect a dip in volume, consistent? What's the forecast? Yeah, the forecast, so the uh, seasonally adjusted annual rate of sales on new vehicles is projected to be flat at $17 million for the next year or so. So I don't think we're going to see any real significant dip. Um, I, I'll add another um, item when we talk about, you know, millennials and their buying habits and, you know, the fact that millennials are so used to renting um, items, phones, you know, that those types of equipment. Uh, I think that um, it, it will be interesting to see the impact of their uh, maybe not buying per, uh, practices on vehicle sales and, you know, is leasing something that might get more exposure with millennials in the future. Yeah. And Chris, I know you and I have talked a little bit about, um, you know, what the future may hold of autonomous vehicles. Um, any expansion in terms of thoughts for that that might be beneficial for our listeners? Um, like Carol said, I, I, I think it'll be a, it won't be a run, it'll be a walk, and it'll be a slow walk. And um, a lot of it's generational, and, and uh, a lot of it's demographic. Um, it, it'll just be a very interesting journey. Um, certainly, you know, we're, we're starting out with um, um, with the Tesla as far as the electric vehicle goes, and, and that story's not finished. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, we would look at the autonomous vehicles the same way. Um, I, think, I think the buying public, everybody has a different view of what autonomous means you know does it mean that you have one eye open all the time or or does it mean that you're you're still driving the car but you have you have a, a, a an assistant next to you to tell you that what you know watch watch out for the ball on the road so I, I think everybody has their own view and I think it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out in the future and I'll start with Chris for this next question but I think a lot of people when they think of see you direct there's the automatic default of thinking they're the ones that do indirect lending. And obviously that's a huge part of still what CU Direct provides in partnership to credit unions. But I think a lot of credit unions would be surprised to know those other products and services that are on the shelf uh, that they can offer. And I just wanted to give both you and Carol an opportunity to just think of one of those that credit unions may not be aware of that you offer that they might want to consider. Well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, Lending 360. Um, so I think uh, a lot of credit unions and most of the market knows that, that we have that, that indirect LOS that, that helps them with that, that auto um, approval process or the, the process of uh, booking loans. Um, we've ex expanded that and we have a, a full service LOS. It's called Lending 360. And um, that also works on the consumer side. So um, credit unions can use um, our LOS to, um, to book consumer loans, uh, direct loans, and things of that nature. And um, um, just in, um, up in New England, I think I have about 15 credit unions that, um, that have signed up with Lending360 today. And we continue to um, offer uh, different functions and features. So we have a, a new account opening feature and, and some other things. Um, I'll, I'll let Carol speak to maybe some other technology we have. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I think that um, the other product I talk about is our loan analytics lending insights and uh, with uh, what's coming down the pike with CECL regulations um, we will be able to provide the reporting that will be necessary to satisfy those requirements. Uh, the lending insights the loan analytics does allow you to do uh, static pool analysis, concentration risk, uh, there's a, uh, a, a dealer profile for those that are using our indirect program. So 
um, it, it really does meet the needs that you um, that your examiners are looking for. Yeah. And the other one, I'll, I'll start with Carol first on this one, and this is my our crystal ball question in terms of that end. Uh, we were talking about changes in the industry, autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, and I think one of the ones that, uh, even though they don't necessarily sell the most amount of vehicles that you hear in the news a lot, is Tesla in terms of that end, which historically makes very advanced high-tech cars, good technology, but they are expensive, and Tesla by itself has a history of hoping uh, the next month, next year, we better, because usually month after month, they lose money. And I say that with no disrespect to Tesla, it's just how the news comes out. So knowing where they are making the advanced vehicles, knowing the challenges, mm -hmm. just interested in both your thoughts, and again, none of us has a crystal ball. Where do you think Tesla is two years, five years, 10 years from now? What kind of comes to mind for you, Carol? Well, again, I, I think it's gonna be a slow grow. And, um, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, where the charging stations will go and how that, uh, you know, how those will be handled. And uh, I know, I, like I said earlier, I'm challenged enough to find a gas station yes. <laughs> sometimes. But um, I don't really have a real opinion on where it's gonna go other than, you know, what we're seeing uh, the projections to be and, and it uh, moving along very, very slowly. I think it has some innate challenges and uh, I don't know if it makes sense for them to uh, partner with someone else that uh, you know will take care of having the charging stations unless that technology changes um, to make that whole process easier. Chris what kind of comes to your mind about Tesla? I guess the only thing that I would add is the fact that um, at the end of the day um, they have the great technology their cars are, are sexy for lack of a, a better word to use um, but it's a business and I think a lot of people have, have at least told us that they're losing money um, I don't know if they are or not, but if, you, do they have a model or a business model that will allow them to exist 10 years from now? I think that's the, the $64,000 question. Sure. I think those are great ones. Well, first of all, we know you're both busy. We want to thank you very much for taking your time. We encourage all of our listeners today to take a very serious look at CU Direct, not only in terms of the robust, long-term standing relationship they have with Indirect, but to Chris and Carol's comments before about the other products that they have on the shelf, whether it be the analytics of the Lending 360, because truly they are uh, a phenomenal partner to the credit union industry on many, many levels. And we encourage you to take a look at them, build the partnerships, and get a better understanding of what they have to offer. So thank you very much for both of your time, and uh, we'll stay tuned for further details down the road. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. So that concludes our special edition of Vermont Credit Unions On Air, and we hope you enjoyed it. You can hear all of our previously recorded podcasts by searching for Vermont Credit Unions On Air in the iTunes Store or at soundcloud.com. If you have ideas for a podcast on something you'd like to hear about, send it to podcast at vermontcreditunions.coop. This has been the Association of Vermont Credit Unions, thanking you for listening.